Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. And welcome back to this week's episode of the Bitcoin Podcasts, Just the Headers. In this show, we discuss the headlines in the cryptocurrency community. And that's it. Today, your show is brought to you by your host, Dimitri, and his... Well, the other host. I, don't, I was going to say co-hosts, but I can't do that accent very much longer. So, What accent yeah. was that supposed uh, to be? I, I don't know. I felt like if I were a narrator in a library with a uh-huh. tweed coat, that is how I would sound. <laughs> you know, like a, like, a, like, a, like a wildlife, wildlife documentary narrator. But uh, anyways, like, a, like a almost British, but like so diluted, like, you know, when you pour yourself like a cup of juice, like orange juice mm-hmm. and it's like too sweet and then you like put it a lot, a lot of water and then it's not sweet anymore. Yeah. It's like that, that British accent was like that. Yeah. So not sweet at all is what that was. <laughs> not sweet enough. I'm going to jump in and out of that accent as the show goes on. Oh God. All right. Um, How's your week? It was all right. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what I did this week. Forgot. Nice. Um, nice. Oh, I tried. Uh, I tried to um, set up my schedule for um, like my weightlifting schedule to program everything properly. Mm-hmm. So I should be. I should be on track to get back to my previous strength numbers i'm just trying back to to pumping the iron huh get back to snapping my back and all my ligaments yes you did that before no i hurt my back like after like the first year of lifting oh wow did something stupid Mm. yeah um nice nice glad you had a good week i'm glad you're coordinating your fitness fitness is 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 uh paramount I myself had a pretty decent week. Uh, I learned uh, probably on the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh-huh. I learned that they make silicon um, molds and you can bake donuts. So <laughs> it's pretty, pretty on the opposite end of the fitness yeah. kick. Um, yep. But uh, for the longest time, I've wanted to make my own donuts. So I think I'm going to give it a shot. Because, you know, somebody needs somebody needs to disrupt the donut game, Jesse. There's people just living high, you know, like Krispy Kremes and your Dunkins of the world, just thinking nobody's gonna take on their their donut kingdom. Well, nay, yeah. I say, hmm. nay. So, 
I'm going to specialize in the chocolate donut. So, you know, there could be some validity. I'll call the store chocolate on chocolate. I, I could be, like, completely wrong, but I thought, like, donuts were not baked. Like, good donuts. Yeah, good donuts are fried, but... Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> thank you for shooting down my dreams. No, no, I appreciate no, that. That's, that's part of the health kick, right? Because baked yeah. donuts are healthy. Are they? Or, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what are you putting on your donuts? Chocolate and sprinkles? Well, chocolatey donut with a vanilla. Like, I'm going to flip it on its head, baby. Chocolate oh. donut, vanilla toppings. I don't mean right. for this to be healthy. People can make it healthy in their brain. I understand that's good for marketing, but this is not going to be a healthy endeavor. Okay. So... Anyways, well, yeah, I was just pretty excited about that. Get let, my me, bacon. let me know. Let me know when you uh, make some donuts. Yeah. Put, I don't know, man. You guys are you're staunch. You're like a food connoisseur. No, I tried, I'm not. To, I tried to drop an opinion in your Discord channel about yeah. that pizza, and they were like, "You fucking buffoon! That pizza looks disgusting." And I was like, "Oh, okay." All I think right. it was it was like split. I think uh, people liked that pizza. That's actually a. a apparently like a famous chicago pizza place mm-hmm. and they have like the small pepperonis that curl up and then like pool the oil versus Ooh. like the really log large pepperonis that they just kind of like let the oil go all over the pizza mm. that's a very particular thing to notice about pizza but now i'm gonna keep an eye out for it <laughs> pools of oil in regards to oil flooding is what we We'll call it. But okay, uh, we've gone on for a little while now without saying what this show is about, which we do lately. I don't know why, but I figure everyone knows. So, Just the Headers is a show about just the headlines in the cryptocurrency uh, um, space, crypto economy, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are main pipelines of news now, of which Jesse and I um, follow, and we give you guys headlines that we feel to be pertinent. Um, we're not, however, but we're going to jump right in. And this news takes place from last weekend. So that would be November 10th through the 11th um, to this Thursday. Um, anything that happens after Thursday is zero confirmation news. And we don't work on the weekends for y'all unless you pay us, man. Then we'll work on the weekends. No, we won't. That's why we're giving you the weekends news. So anyways. Um, you ready to do this, Jesse? Yeah, let's do it. You want to take the weekend, it. or you want me to take you know the weekend? What? I want you to start off today's show. Let's switch it on them. Sounds good. All right. So the first article coming at you from this past weekend is written by Lubomir Tassev from Bitcoin.com. Growing number of crypto companies operating from Belarus. Mm. Number of cryptocurrency businesses are now based in the Belarus high-tech park after the government in Minsk legalized crypto-related activities for its residents. Registering an entity in the special economic zone was supposed to be a straightforward process, but clearer guidelines and detailed regulations are still needed to attract more investors. Mm. So, it looks like uh, it looks like there's like the Silicon Valley of Belarus is called HTP and the high technologies park. Yep. And just only like 400, about 400 HTP residents. I think, 
I guess the resident, it means like in this context, they're referring to like the companies, mm-hmm. like ICOs maybe that are mm-hmm. operating in there. Okay. So, well, it looks How like. How do you feel uh, about ICOs now? Are you glad that that, that craze is, is waning? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. I thought it was pretty like terrible, like in the beginning when people kept um getting sucked into like buying shit coins, mm-hmm. uh, just for like airdrops or just for like I don't know incentives that were not gonna be promised or that were promised but were not gonna be held, and then the ICOs disappear and then all their money's gone. Mm-hmm. So it I don't was know. Like a, it was a, for the people that got got scammed from the ICO craze, like that sucks. Yeah, we apologize to you that got scammed, but you're probably not listening to this. You're probably really tainted on the entire industry as as a as a uh, an effect. But I don't know. I'm kind of glad the initial ICO craze is over. I'm I'm very intrigued by the new iterations, like the the Ricio. And the Dicio, like apparently that people are working so that like you will get refunded by the project if they don't hold on to their technical milestones. Yeah. And the Dicio is you only get paid if they reach their technical milestones. So if you combine those two, you get a very lovely proposition for an investor, right? It's, It's more along the lines of traditional investing. Like, hey, I can get my money back at a certain point if you haven't fulfilled your obligations um, and you know it's already the contractual agreements are programmed in so that I get my payouts um, you know as you as you meet the stipulations that you set out to begin with I think I'm excited about those but because mm. it's one of those Pandora's box things once the box has been opened Jesse you can't close it Mm. Yeah, not like other boxes, like a shoe box. You can open and close that at will. But, but, um, anyways, next article. Oh wait, you're Segway Master, so this is on you. Clearly, all right. Well, so we're in Belarus, so let's go to where is the next article? And well, let's go to Iran. Mm-hmm. And going to Iran, the next article is written by Jeffrey Gogo. His <laughs> name. Bitcoin.com. Iran completes development of real-supported national cryptocurrency. Look, Wake me uh, up. Venezuela is not going to be the only one with a national crypto fiat. That's not going to work. Or maybe it is yeah. because the people enforcing it have guns and grenades. There's another article later on in the week, and it talks about how um, the Petro is going to be able to be swapped for other cryptocurrencies somehow. Oh, I don't know geez. if it's like what the exchange rate is going to be, Jeez or how they're going to do that. But I would assume that like maybe the government has bought like Bitcoin and other stuff, mm-hmm. and then they're going to allow you to exchange it. So. I don't know. Do you think that Jeffrey Gogo gets a lot of um, jokes about that song? Uh, you know, like, wake me up before you go, go. 
I I would feel bad for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good song, man. Who sang that song? He sang the same songs like I guess it would be nice if I could touch your body. I don't know. He died last year. I I mean I know the songs you're you're singing, yeah. but like I don't remember who and then, sang them. I'm never gonna dance again. Guilty. I thought if anyone you'd sing to that one, but you Please. you are not a singer, my friend. George no, Michaels. I, I don't even George. know the song you're singing. The last you know, one. Oh, it was like uh, was it? I'm never gonna dance again because guilty feet have got no rhythm. Oh, okay, I've heard that. It's got the saxophone in it. You're so good with like old music. I think that was that came out in the '90s, right? That was in the '80s, my friend. Oh, okay. Wow, I see, was, I wasn't even born yet. I was about 86, 87, somewhere in there. I would have been two years old. But I have a memory that is out of this fucking world. No, I'm kidding. I just, no. You um, like old music. Indeed. Anyways, um, Iran's trying to develop a real-supported national currency. So uh, we have an attempt at another country trying to build their own cryptocurrency. And you know what? I don't see that working well for them. But at the same time, like we said, they have guns and grenades and they do Krav Magra. So they're going to Krav Magra your ass into a bank so you can download some of their crypto. So. <laughs> Looks like there's going to be like uh, new sanctions placed by the U.S. on Iran, so they're using their uh, new crypto real to um, probably skip past those sanctions. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it seems like see you at the this week the U.S. arm twisted global banking network SWIFT into severing ties with Iran's central bank, leaving the country and its citizens in limbo. In the cryptocurrency realm, global exchanges Binance and Bittrex have reportedly unofficially dropped Iran from the list of supported countries to receive services. In fact, there is a, uh, I don't know if I put the article in here, but there's an article that was about Binance um, telling all its customers to withdraw all your assets because they're not going to be supporting Iran. Ooh. So... That's bad. Bad news bears for the Iranian government and people. Yep. Mm. Well. All right. So, and the last article of the weekend is about a seven-year legal fight led this dev to build unstoppable Ethereum storage. This was written uh, by Rachel Rose O'Leary. Mm-hmm. If you build it strong enough, the law will follow. That's how Daniel Neji, the lead developer behind Swarm, Ethereum's decentralized storage layer, described his, quote, takeaway lesson after a seven-year legal battle over his use of an early file-sharing network called Direct Connect, a precursor to -to peer-to-peer file-sharing service BitTorrent. BC is a technology that is now perfectly and completely obsolete, according to the developer. Accused of copyright infringement for hosting a DC node, quote, I had a bit of a legal fight over it and I won. You told Coindesk. A seven year is a bit of a legal fight? I think I would just die from attrition after that point. Like, I can't do this anymore. It's seven years of my life. That's pretty long. Don't they say every cell in your body replicates every seven years? So every seven years, you're physically a new person? 
I I don't think that that's a hundred percent true. Is that I, true? I don't know if it's true or not. I, like I do like think that I like things. the idea of it. Are we yeah okay. I'm I'm gonna remain impartial just in case somebody comments on Slack saying <laughs> that fact is not true. <laughs> He's like, I'm abandoning this ship. All right, uh, I got the facts from the internet. It says that the statement that we replace every cell in the body every seven years or every ten years is wrong. Oh, I'm glad I'm not spreading colloquial colloquialisms. I'm happy for you too. I, however, have been saying that for seven years, so I need to dial it down. Uh, all right, so with Swarm, Neji is fixated on how to make decentralized storage robust enough that legal repercussions of this kind can't happen. Mm. And what he describes as a, an, quote, arms race between developers and regulators. Um, this is an arms race, and since we can develop stuff and the marginal cost of replication is zero, we will win this arms race. Mm-hmm. I think everybody knows that. That's pretty cool. This wasn't around... Was this around when we were um, looking at the art uh, idea? It was not. Um, Artemir, it was not. Um, This is a very interesting thing, though, if you think about it, right? Because what if you are paid to store some malicious information? Okay. Are you then... are Are you liable for storing it? You know, it's kind of like a storage unit. The way I look at it is like storage units, right? Like okay. you could, if you have a, if you're renting out storage units and you have like 300 of them and one by one person comes through and they start hiding dead bodies in one and you never know that they're hiding dead bodies until like a l- huge long investigation comes and they're like, oh, they've been hiding dead bodies in your storage units. You're not liable, right? Because there's no idea you could have known what was in there. You shouldn't be liable for that now. Exactly, right? Like, once a person puts a lock on their stores, you're not allowed to go in there unless they stop paying their bills. So, can you explain more why you think, is it legally... Um, no, I was going to say, is it legally um, uh, in favor of the of the person who's storing stuff? I think to so. use a storage service because the storage service gets um sued i think if you're using this well i don't know if the storage service could be sued but they could be subpoenaed to open a, a locker right yeah but they can't be blamed for what goes on in there right no they can't there's no okay. way like if i had 300 some odd units and i've sworn to the patrons of my storage uh, facility that i'm not gonna go in their shit i don't know what's in their storage units then there's no way I could be held liable. So how does this like? Let's bring this back to Swarm. Let's bring it back to Swarm storage right layer. Yeah. How is how is? I think the the fact that they're suing him doesn't have to do with um, anybody storing like data that's malicious bad. or malicious. thieved. Yeah, I mean that's not that's not happening. Are you saying like in the future if that's a possibility? Yeah, because it's gonna happen, right? Somebody's gonna get a hold of some identities or whatever could be considered malicious information that they don't own, they don't have the rights to, 
and uh-huh. they're going to try to decentralize the storage of that information on one of these decentralized storage platforms. And so do the, you know, do the thousands of nodes that are holding uh, slivers of that information, are they now liable? I don't, I would say no, right? Because there's, it's, it's encrypted, right? So they don't know what it is that's on their system. They're just giving them a storage unit. Right. No, yeah, they shouldn't be liable. And I don't think, I mean, I, I can't, I can't think of any one example where that actually does happen in, mm-hmm. in like a physical storage setting, right? Like, U Haul is not responsible if you tow around a bomb. That's very true. So why would digital, like the digital storage version of that same scenario? All right. Uh, I thought it was just. I mean, yeah, I thought it was interesting if we gave it some critical thought for the audience. Oh, you know. Okay. Hmm. But yeah, decentralized storage is something I'm really excited about because I'm one of those people that has way too many terabytes of storage. So like once that's streamlined and good to go, I am renting out this these terabytes, baby. They already had that, remember? Storage. Yeah. But I don't know if it's like good UI, good UX just yet. I think they're still working on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was one before that that I told you guys about like a long time ago. Blockstack? No, mm-hmm. not Blockstack. Yeah, there was one where you um you rent out like your hard drives, your actual, yeah, I mean, your physical hard drives. Same thing as storage. Mm. Um, and when people use your storage, they essentially pay you for renting a portion of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, what happened was they were hacked, apparently. Mm. And uh, But it was like an internal thing. Remember I told you the FBI was in the Discord channel? Yep. I do remember now. You do, I remember that verbatim. Yeah. Oof. FBI yeah. sneaky, man. They sneaky, yeah. sneaky. Anyways. Um, moving on to Monday's news, baby. Um, so, in more decentralized, or should I say centralized news, coming from William Suberg of Cointelegraph, this has 4,975 total views. EOS reverses previously confirmed transactions as pundits decry centralization. Ah, yes. Blockchain protocol EOS found itself at the center of a fresh concert. Ooh, fresh. I like that word. You know what I hear that word fresh? I think of like vegetables in the produce aisle that just got spritzed. Yeah. Huh. Oh my God. I, whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, I'll get my hands all kind of dirt. I'll get all the bacteria that you have to offer to get some of that fresh produce, baby. Um, that's disgusting that to put it that way, but it's a lot of bacteria in a grocery store. Anyways, blockchain protocol EOS found itself at the center of fresh controversy November 9th after evidence emerged on social media appearing to show a moderator reversing transactions which had already been confirmed. According to a Reddit user u slash Audi 9003, a dispute alleging allegedly involving a fished EOS account was referred to one of the platform's so-called arbitrators, who decided to reverse transactions that occurred without the owner's permission. This, the Reddit user notes, involved on undoing transactions which had already received network confirmations. And here's a quote. Under the powers afforded to me as arbitrator, under Article 6 of the Rules of Dispute Resolution, I, Ben Gates, rules that the EOS account and dispute should be returned to the claimant the claimant 
with immediate effect and that the freeze over the assets within the set account is removed. If there isn't anything that screams centralization more, it is that statement. But I digress. Let me take my opinions out of it and then put them right back in. That's heavily centralized. All right. Now I'm going to put it back out. EOS has frequently garnered criticism from cryptocurrency sources due to its alleged lack of decentralization. Something that, oh boy. A characteristic which CTO Daniel Larimer himself confirmed in an interview last month. Decentralization isn't what we're after, he told YouTube series Colin Talks Crypto. Adding, what we're after is anti-censorship and robustness against being shut down. Huh? Okay. Here's a quote. This is funny. From the Reddit user. These guys raised $4 billion to recreate the legal system using a token that is neither censorship resistant nor immutable. E. Mm. So, under that same vein, I like your mm there. Mmm. <laughs> like, so, yeah, underneath no, that no, same no. vein, Ben Gates could easily say, under the powers afforded to me as arbitrator under blah, 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 de fucking blah, I now will black out this address from being able to make any transactions. Or freeze this account. It's not a good look, EOS. Not a good look at all. So... Uh... Who again is like like I know he's the arbitrator, but who is Ben Gates? Mm. That's a good question. I know Ben Coates was a tight end. I think he played for the New England Patriots for a while. Antonio. I Google Ben Gates and I get uh, National Treasure fictional character Benjamin Franklin Gates. Mm. I know Antonio Gates was a tight end for the San San Diego Chargers for a while. Hmm. But I don't know anything about Ben Ben Gates, who I'm assuming is a fusion of Ben Coates and Antonio Gates' best traits. So maybe good blocking and good route running. That's exactly what he's doing. <laughs> oh, maybe you're right. Yeah. That is that's exactly what he's doing <laughs> for EOS. Good blocking and good route running. Holy shit! Wow, the universe speaks very. Uh, uh, tangled in a tangled manner. Yeah. Well, anyways, speaking of uh, the universe, Bitmain sues alleged Bitcoin thief in U.S. federal court. Um, wow, everything's getting so old school with crypto these days. Nicholas Day uh, of CoinDesk. Uh, this this article. Do you see how many numbers it has? Because it's still doing this thing where it won't load. No, it's not loading for me. Okay. Coindesk, get your shit together. Nicholas Day writes this on November 13th. Crypto mining hardware maker Bitmain has filed suit against an anonymous thief in the U.S. federal court. In a complaint submitted to the U.S. District Court, Western District of Washington at Seattle, Bitmain alleges that the unidentified thief stole 617 big. Oh, my God. 617 Bitcoin from an account it holds at crypto exchange Binance and is seeking a jury trial for damages. According to the filing, the 
as yet to be identified John Doe stole the Bitcoin holdings on October on April 22nd, 2018 from its account with a single Bitcoin valued at 8,935. At the time, the company is claiming that it is owed more than $5.5 million in damages. Bitman claims that the thief used the Bitcoin in its Binance wallet to buy mana, a crypto asset used as part of the Decentraland project at a price that was far above the going market rate. The thief also allegedly created a Marchus a uh, purchase order for either using Bitmain's BTC wallet before making another purchase of an order for Mana using Bitmain's Ethereum. Ooh. Here's a quote. Upon information and belief, Binance's automated system matched the deflated Mana sell order with the deflated Mana purchase order and executed the trade, and John Doe obtained significant gains at the expense of Bitmain. As a result, John Doe benefited twice from transferring Mana into and out of Bitmain's digital wallet. So what I don't get is why are they calling him John Doe if they know who he is? Is it because of a civil case? Yeah, you protect the identity, I guess. Okay. Well, here's some jurisdiction news. Uh, the complaint filing in Seattle, Washington, has to do with the fact that the alleged thief is said to have utilized an account they held with the crypto exchange Bitrix. The lawsuit alleges that the mana the thief used in the transaction was originally stored in a Bitrix wallet, and Bitrix is based out of Washington. Moreover, after John Doe had completed his or her theft of BTC from Bitmain, he or she transferred the BTC out of the John Doe's Binance wallet and ultimately into a digital wallet on the Bitrix cryptocurrency trading platform. Okay, so this is under Washington Cybercrime Act. Uh, oh, wait, there's actually a few more. Based on the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and the Washington Cybercrime Act um, is what kind of fraudulence this guy is committing to. So, um, if you do dirt, people out here are going to find you. They're going to find you. So, speaking of dirt, major oil firms and banks partnered to launch blockchain platform for energy commodity trading. So, we've seen this a while, and I think this is another firm that is attempting to do so, trying to put uh, supply chain-esque entities onto a blockchain, maybe for provenance uh, or, for, or for more fluid um, Operations. I don't see how it can be more fluid at this point, but we're going to see. This is written by Anna Berman. Uh, this article has 4,838 total views, so it's cranking. It's cranking that soldier boy. Um, do you know how to do the soldier boy? Tell him, Dance? Nope. Okay. Major oil companies BP, Shell, and Equinor have united with large banks and trading houses to launch a blockchain-driven platform, VACT, for energy commodity trading. The partnership was reported by independent news agency covering energy and commodities markets, S&P Global Platts, Monday, November 12th. Apart from the three oil companies mentioned above, VACT includes banks, ABN, AMRO, ING, and Societe Generale, along, Societe Generale, along with trading houses, Gunvor, Coke Supply and Trading, and Coke? Like the Coke brothers? Uh-oh. I don't need to Google this. Coke Supply and Trading, and Mercuria. The blockchain solution first announced in November 2017 will enable major industry players to move from cumbersome paperwork to smart contracts, thereby helping to reduce time spent on operations and making trading more efficient. Oh boy. Here's a quote. In 2019, we will look at ARA barges, 
waterborne markets and U.S. crude pipelines. And by January, we expect the first licensees will come on board in addition to our shareholders. Hmm. Okay. Is this a blockchain play or did they just make a huge like database and they're calling it blockchain? It feels like the it feels like the latter to me, because I I just don't know. Coke Supply and Trading LP was founded in two thousand one, so I don't know if that's the Coke brothers or not. But oh yeah, it is. Coke Industries, Coke yeah, that's the Coke brothers. So that's why I don't get interesting. So they created a private network. This is an intranet. They made a new intranet. Mm. Well, I don't know how I feel about that. To me, it just feels like, hey, we're going to make this new intranet. We're going to sprinkle some blockchain on it. Just sprinkle a little blockchain. It'll sprout up into a nice, pretty blockchain. And there you go. Are you eating something? Nope. Did you say yes? Nope, nope. Not oh, eating okay. anything. You seem like you're like, are you Googling or are you? What's up, man? Where are you? <laughs> Am I alive? No, yeah. I'm just reading. I'm reading the uh, stuff that you didn't read on the article. Oh, okay. What What did you glean from it? Anything? Uh, just bullshit. Ah, okay. Well, let's move it to Tuesday. Jesse, do you read me? Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm reading. <laughs> what anyway. are you doing, man? You're destroying it this week. Where uh, are you? All right. So, going moving to Tuesday. Uh, I'm I'm interested in your articles more than I am mine. Jeez. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, William Suberg of Coin Telegraph writes: IMF vows to continue, quote, devoting attention to blockchain, cryptocurrency, and fintech drive. The International Monetary Fund said it plans to use its ongoing research and experimentation with blockchain as an, quote, anchor for its future policy on the technology in comments November, 20, uh, November 12th. Speaking on a panel with Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse during the Singapore FinTech Festival 2018, IMF Deputy General Counsel Ross Lecco highlighted three areas the organization has been, quote, active in regarding blockchain cryptocurrency, and more. The IMF is devoting a lot of attention to fintech, and in particular to blockchain, he told the audience, continuing, quote, but we think that it's difficult to talk about blockchain without considering it in light of the other new technologies that are forming part of the fintech debate. For Lekau, these include artificial intelligence, so-called distributed ledger technology, crypto assets, and several others. He further underscored the continued research efforts underway at the IMF regarding cryptocurrency and blockchain, referring to the various documents published in recent years. Member banks and governments, he added, were demonstrating considerable interest in guidance on how to handle and regulate the emerging sector. Quote, given the demand for advice in this area at our annual meeting in Bali last month, oh, 
We and the World Bank jointly launched an initiative called the Bali FinTech Agenda, which we think is the first comprehensive framework of issues that countries need to think about when designing policy around FinTech, like I said. Quote, this will be an anchor for much of our work going forward. Hmm. So remember when they said the IMF, like the IMF said that crypto is nothing? Mm-hmm. Like we're not even worrying about it. And then they changed their stance to crypto is terrible. And then they changed their stance to they are researching, trying to see what it's about and see if there's a possible solution that they can, I guess, come up with to banks, central banks issuing their own cryptocurrencies as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, man. This is the funniest thing about all of this, is that recently I was part, so this is, like, maybe it's too much information, maybe it's not. It probably is a little too much, but I was was part of a... No, I'm not going to give all that information. All I'm going to say is the use case for cryptocurrency is already here. It just needs to be made better and easier to use. And that is the fact that just the other day, I sent money to someone from, from around the globe and it was a larger than small amount of money and it was like free to send it there and i didn't need an enti- i didn't need a bank's permission i didn't need swift's permission i didn't need western union's permission i didn't have to go through uh days of red tape it was hey guy i need my money and boom said the to him skadoosh no permission needed that's the use case right that that has already been cracked. But I think that that is such a tantalized, there's so much value wrapped up in that, into that right there, that we're now getting all of these offshoots and we're getting people taking advantage of that use case. I honestly think there's like only a handful of use cases. In fact, there's really only one use case, really. It's just exchange of value. And because like as far as storage of value, it doesn't it seems like whatever you store, whatever you use as an exchange of value cannot be a storage of value forever. Mm -hmm. Go on. So so it's just like it's just like gold. Gold is not a an appreciating asset, it seems as of recent. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe in like 10, 20 years, gold will appreciate and dramatically, I guess. But it just seems like crypto in general, like across the board, if it's if it's decentralized and you can exchange value over it, like that, that's it. That's all it is. There shouldn't be anything more. We shouldn't be trying to trade pets that have value. We shouldn't be trying to. Um, come up with like a one-to-one like one bitcoin gold uh, or not one bitcoin gold or whatever one bitcoin whatever um is exchangeable for one bar of gold like we shouldn't be trying to use it to uh store i don't know just it, it seems like There's an obvious use case and it works well enough 
there really isn't anything else. Yeah. So instead of like coming up with all these offshoots and things that are very fantastic, right? They're just fantastic. And they're all inducing. However, like start case one is what you just said. Storing value, exchanging valid value in a unit of account without a centralized entity that needs to do that. That's, that's all you really need. Just everybody needs to just shift to it. Yeah. And then, you know, universal currency. Hmm. And then have cheaper smartphones where everybody can basically bank themselves on their own phone. Yeah. Hmm. That'd, that'd be pretty Dude, good. Did you see that the FCC gave uh, Elon Musk the freedom to launch 7,000 satellites and make free internet for everybody? I did not see that. They gave him approval. They gave SpaceX approval. They said, launch your satellites. Keep your secrets. No, I'm kidding. They didn't say the last part. But they did say, launch your satellites. So I was trying to figure out how many satellites that is per square mile. Like, And so I was like, at first, I was like, well, what's the diameter of the Earth? And then so I could find out the radius, and then I can get the surface area, and we're good there. Or I, I just take, I just Google. It's 197 is the surface area. Oh, use Google? Oh, because yeah. sometimes I want to use my brain. Jeez, man. And so then, <laughs> so that's the surface right? area. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, that's like, what, 7,000 satellites? So each one covers 28,142 square miles. Oh, boy. And that is that shows the age difference between Jesse and myself because I'm over no, here I, using a pencil. I did that in like high school physics, like find the the diameter of the Earth by I don't know. Just yeah, the, I was just, I was definitely I taking know. the long route when I could have just Googled it. You're absolutely. You know, you know there was this there's this French guy right that I met a few days ago, and mm-hmm. uh, he was originally a cook out of France. And he, long story short, when he turned 24, he decided he wanted to do uh, software engineering. So he went to school and he finished and he was telling me about uh, web development and how like nobody does anything from scratch anymore. There's a lot of people who just use WordPress for everything, right? Mm -hmm. And this is not like a WordPress plug. Like I actually hate WordPress, but if you're trying to get like something done super fast, you might as well just use the tools you have available to you. Copy pasta. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel what he's saying. He's saying that like things aren't difficult anymore and you can Google everything and learn everything really fastly and build, you can go from learning to applying in a day or maybe a week. A week on a long run. But at the same point, if you're just copy pasta, if you're using the same thing everyone else has done, what's going to make your shit stand out besides, I don't know, the color palette? That's the thing. Like, aesthetically, it it won't. It doesn't have to. But functionally, it will work just fine. So if you're a utilitarian, then it doesn't matter, right? Like, Bitcoin works, but it just can't support everybody using it. So utilitarian view is like okay the technology is 100 percent great let's just speed up the transaction uh throughput 
So like that should be like everybody let's focus on that. Let's make Bitcoin work or Ethereum. Like do we want smart contracts? Okay, let's do that. Like we can just take one idea and just work on it all together. Like nobody ever creates anything revolutionary anyway, right? Like in, in research, mm-hmm. it's like one guy will find out, hey, like the wheel, like that's most of the people aren't the people who develop the wheel. Most of the people are developed are, are the people who like developed, oh, hey, different grooving patterns on the wheel give you different types of traction. So like they improve mm-hmm. the wheel, but like only in a minute, uh, in a minute way, I guess. And that's so I think like, what you're saying is like usually it's multiple groups of people working on multiple things about the same end game over generations. It takes forever. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to throw a lot of smart people and a lot of money lot of and time at, at it. <laughs> oh, well, that's what we were doing. So, I mean, that's what's been done. Except for, you know, last year people got a taste and were like, it wasn't smart money that was rushing in. It was dumb money. So, anyways, we've gone on some tangents. Look forward to free internet provided to you by Elon Musk. Let's keep it moving. We're almost halfway through Wednesday, so, or Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday. What? This is a sponsored. You sneak in these sponsored articles. This is on you. You read this one, man. Is it sponsored? No, I don't want to read this. If it's sponsored, see that? What? What do you mean? It's got a huge sticker on the bottom. Well, not huge. I don't. I don't click on the articles. I just see this title and then I go, oh, that's interesting. And then I add it. Oh, boy. You actually, you actually open the articles? Yes, I do. Oh. Just to take a you know, look. You know, they used to be like the titles used to be indicative of actually good articles. But like nowadays, since there isn't that much news, like most of the news is like country regulations. Yeah, I'm actually so it's, it's I'm great that you mentioned this. Remember how I was doing those word uh word maps? Okay. I I'm going to do another one for the like since we've started the show to now. Yeah. And just see what they're feeding people in the mainstream media. So Okay. It, that's the next episode, but I know judging from the last word map, it was all like regulations, regulations, uh price, regulations, market uh there was there was nothing about any of the things that people you know that really makes this industry go and i think it's a i think it's a very good exercise i'm going to do it again so um we're not going to read that article so f- no free airtime for your shitty blockchain on to the ah, <laughs> take that yeah take that we're standing up to the to the man so uh all right so here's the next article. The last article for Tuesday. See, it helps to get those articles. Then mm-hmm. it makes my day shorter. <laughs> All right. So Bitcoin Cash's, quote, mining war escalates as blockchain hard fork appears, approaches. Wow, what am I doing? Uh, written by Nicholas Day. The global network of computer operators who today help power the Bitcoin Cash cryptocurrency are beginning to signal that they may take differing paths ahead of a technical update scheduled for Thursday. Data from Coindance indicates that Bitcoin cash mining pools, collectives of individuals and companies providing computer power to the cryptocurrency, the world's fourth most valuable, are indicating they will run a version of the software called Bitcoin SV, an alternative to the Bitcoin ABC software most widely used by the network today. 
In fact, early signs suggest Bitcoin SV may control some 76.39% of the network's current mining power. Wow. Uh, while it's too early to tell if this many if this many computers will actually update their software, causing the Bitcoin Cash network to split, the strong rhetoric employed by those backing the upstart Bitcoin SV software, including Craig Wright, the Australian cryptographer who claims to be Satoshi Nakamoto, suggests this is a possibility. Have you ever heard? Have you ever seen that YouTube video? Um, it's like the retard magnet strategy. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, have you, <laughs> that have you ever heard of that? Hard. I thought you were going to talk about like twerking or something, and I was like, yeah, I watch lots of twerking videos, but then you said retard magnet, so that's abrasive. Let's 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 unpack that. Let's unpack that. Yeah. So it it has to do with like a video that was put out by like a pro player in in StarCraft Two, mm-hmm. and what happens is like. People don't uh, micro very well. Um, so this is kind of like these these traders who kind of chase like whatever is the newest, like hottest news about possible forks and possible altcoin, uh, new altcoins or airdrops. And they move their money around so much that they end up losing a lot of money. And so in this in the same way that like they kind of they're attracted to like dumb stuff the the retard magnet strategy is um to take one of the um what are they called i'm forgetting now the overlords that um if you're playing zerg this is for all you people who play starcraft 2 or played starcraft at all you take one of those overlords right and it's this like big flying tentacle thing that hovers in the air and allows you it's basically like your house in any rts so it allows you to increase your population Mm -hmm. um so you take one of those overlords and you fly it over your enemy's base and what'll happen is all of their air based um all their air based units they'll start attacking it and they'll follow it and so what'll happen is you, if the other person has air superiority or something like that, what you could do is you could just take a whole bunch of these overlords and then just just let them move slowly across the other person's base, like away from the base. And if the other person isn't paying attention, all of their air units will chase these overlords. And then you could just go into their base and just completely destroy everything and win. Mm. And so that's why it's called the retard magnet, because it if you're... If you're a retard, you let them mm-hmm. magnet to your overlords. You know, here in the States, we say exceptional learner. We don't use the R word anymore. Is that so is that the new thing? It actually is. It's, you know, it's buddy. Um, no, I Some I people know. take a hard offense to that word. Like, they will punch you in the mouth if you say it. Even if it's in context or in this fact. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's in context with this example. But... Um, context, I mean, but I see what it means. It basically takes the people that aren't managing their units carefully and, and takes them off the battlefield. Yeah. Got to Exceptional learner magnet. For those <laughs> that are uh, still offended. So moving it into Wednesday's news, um, those are the three articles from uh, 
Tuesday, Wednesday's news. This is by Marie Hallett. This is Cointelegraph. Uh, 9,947 total views. Wow, that's kind of a few. Bear market and declining hash rates mean mining ETH is no longer profitable. Analysis finds. Um, yep. This is what's supposed to happen with proof of work is that whenever profitability declines, um, people will turn off their rigs and then the difficulty will come down and they can turn them back on again. So that is, um, typical, but let's read into this. Mining Ethereum using graphics processing unit is no longer profitable according to analysis from, so that needs to have an asterisk. It needs no longer profitable at this difficulty. According to an analysis from U.S.-based global trading and technology from Susquehanna, CNBC reported November 13th on Susquehanna's findings, which point to the protracted slump in crypto markets and declining network hash rates uh, as reasons for the profit decrease. Um, Let's see here. This graph doesn't make any sense. Or does it? Okay, never mind. Uh, in Susquehanna's analysis, profit per month for ETH miners using GPU-based setups hit around $0 as of November 1st this year, down from almost $150 in July 2017. Susquehanna notes the decline in Ethereum's price is a major factor, with the altcoin currently trading at $204, down almost 85% from its record high around um, $1,350. Um, in mid-January 2018. Notably, however, on July 17, 2017, when Susquehanna's figures indicate a $147 profit for GPU-reliant miners, the asset was trading at around $175, just slightly lower than today's valuation. Here's a quote. We estimate very little revenue from crypto-related GPU sales in this quarter, consistent with management's prior commentary that they were including no contribution from crypto in their C3 Q18 outlook. So, hash rates are going down. Profits are going down. Um, I'd like to take a look at Bitcoin's hash rate, honestly, because I don't know if it's gone down or up. But you taking a look at that? Yeah. Clickety clacking on that. So let's go on to the next article from Wednesday. We have William Seberg. Uh, it's a Coin Telegraph special, 3,577 total views. McAfee Labs warns over new Russian Monero crypto jacking malware web Cobra. Internet security provider and research lab McAfee Labs has uncovered new malware, which secretly uses consumer devices to mine Monero. A blog post confirmed November 12th, dubbed Web Cobra, originated from Russia. The latest threat downloads one of two mining clients and uses the processing power of an infected device to generate coins for the perpetrators. Displaying the more classic behavior of so-called crypto jacker malware, Web Cobra runs almost without a trace. McAfee Lab says that the only noticeable difference for the end user being reduced hardware performance. Coin mining malware is difficult to detect. Once a machine is compromised, the malicious app runs silently in the background with just one sign, performance degradation. Researchers write, adding, as the malware increases power consumption, the machine slows down, leaving the owner with a headache and an unwelcome bill. As Cointelegraph previously reported, instances of such malware have shot up almost 500% in 2018, leading commentators to warn an epidemic. So, 
long story short, um, so now security has advanced to the point where not only do you need to back up your machine very frequently, I myself do virus checks every single night at midnight and I back up my machine once a week. Uh, so I never lose too much if I am compromised. You now need to probably make it a habit to check your resources of your computer, your RAM, your uh, CPU usage, your storage, and your um, bandwidth, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that things aren't out of whack. If things seem out of whack, then you probably have some sort of malware that is doing something naughty with your resources. Do I have any malware? Do you nope. have any malware? Yep. So that was a good article. I like that article. Heads up. Somebody could be using your computer to mine Monero. So, boom, skadoosh. The last article for Wednesday, uh, Wednesday being November 14th, uh, Google. The official Google account was hacked in the latest Twitter crypto scam. Mm. This is written by Yogita Katri from Coindesk. Numbers aren't working with Coindesk, so we don't know. Who's read this shit? But an official verified Twitter account owned by Google has become the latest to be hacked to a host of crypto giveaway scam. Twitter user at Burton spotted the promoted tweet on the account of Google's productivity and calibration tools line G Suite on Tuesday and managed to post a screenshot before it was deleted by the tech giant. Ooh, wee. The tweet attempts the tweet had attempted to scam Twitter users via a fake giveaway offer prompting them to send from 0.1 to 2 BTC to the address below and get from 1 to 20 Bitcoin back. Oh boy, here's a quote. Earlier this morning, our Twitter account was inappropriately accessed. The access lasted for approximately half an hour. One fake tweet was posted during that time about a Bitcoin scam. We, for grand control of that account, are in close contact with Twitter and are investigating now. So, um, even Google's getting hacked out here. I wonder what the password for that account was. Password was password. <laughs> yep, maybe. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Google's hacked. Everybody out here getting hacked. You might want to use LastPass and good passwords and practice good personal security because everybody's getting hacked out here. It's your day, Jesse. Thursday okay. zero. Hey, Thursday. did you see that Chrome auto-generated password that they let you use? Hmm. You know how like Chrome when mm -hmm. you're registering a new account for the first time, mm -hmm. it gives you the option to use its uh, own generated password. Mm -hmm. Oh, you, you've seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. Is that secure? Uh, I'd imagine so. Um. Huh. I mean, I've done that for a few accounts just because I was lazy to come up with one and remember it. Yeah. I mean, most of the, when you generate these passwords, it's like there's a heavy random number generation that goes into it and heavy encryption algorithms that go into it. Um, so, uh, you know, unless like this would be a dick move unless they had like a table of all of these passwords and instead of doing like generating a new one from yeah. the inputs that you give it the, or however they generate it they just like did a v lookup or a h lookup to a random one somehow that they've created you know they've yeah. somehow created a system of rows and columns that could tag 
these generated passwords and they did a HLOOKUP and VLOOKUP, then they would have the passwords and they could easily access everything that everybody did. But that would be highly unethical and slightly evil. So, well, highly unethical and slightly evil are not saying the same thing. That would be really evil to do. Mm. So, I'm 100% sure they use, they don't do that. So, yeah. Anyways, um, we lost track there. Why did we lose track? Oh, that was the last article for Wednesday. Oh, that was the last article for Wednesday. Moving on to Thursday's news. Um, we made it to Thursday. Thursday. Huh? Yeah, we made it to Thursday. We made it to Thursday. Oh, so, today's episode was short, man. We just hit an hour. Let's go on a tangent. So, did you see the new... Did you see the new Castlevania series on Netflix? I have seen a couple of those, actually. Oh, man. I love it. I'm in love with it. I like it a lot. Actually, it's it's all right. Okay. Well, I was trying to persuade you with my enthusiasm. So you're like, no, no, no. Okay. So I've got a, I've got an interesting conversational topic. Okay. So yesterday on stream, um, Mm -hmm. We're talking about length of faces from top to bottom and how <laughs> that can be indicative of a person's height. Okay. Okay. So, so, so like we were going like celebrity pictures. So like if you watch the stream right now, mm-hmm. uh, let's see celebrities and let's see celebrities. We're streaming, right? We'll do. Yeah, we're streaming. So like we'll do Beyonce. Right, so we go to images, you go to Beyonce, go like full shot of Beyonce, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you look at Beyonce and you look at her face, you should be able to tell how tall she is. <laughs> no, what? No, I don't know if that applies. You think there's like a median, like the length of face to height? So you're trying to take that ratio and see if there is some sort of grand, like, um, I don't know, constant of proportionality. Well, think of, think of like, okay, like let's look at like really stupidly tall people like Yao Ming, right? Okay. He's, but he doesn't have a super long face. Oh, well, maybe he does. That's what I'm saying, dude. All the really long, or not really, uh, long face, uh, all the really tall people seem to have like really long faces from top to bottom. This would be an interesting experiment. See? Is there a constant, constant of proportionality See, between? Look at look at Yao Ming's forehead to his chin. Okay. And look how tall he is. Now look at this guy. He's tall too, but his face is not as tall as Yao Ming's face. And then you take the Koopa Troopas from Mario Brothers the movie and it throws everything for a loop. See, look at this dude. To his face. Where are you putting these pictures, by the way? Oh, Discord. It, it's on uh, on <laughs> on the, the Twitch stream. I'll, I'll I'll copy some here. Oh, okay. Uh, I will put them in Slack in the random channel. Okay. We'll do that. So here we go. There's Yao Ming, and here's Yao Ming again, and here's another one of Yao Ming. Oh, that is a large man. Jesus. You might want to put 
let people in the Slack know you're not just posting pictures of Yao Ming because he's a tall Asian guy. We are posting pictures of Yao Ming for science. Cool. (laughs) That gets it done. Okay. So, but if you look at the guy right next to him, he could be considered tall. Obviously, he's in the NBA where the average height is like 6'9 or 6'10, right? Okay. Okay, yeah. Six seven. Six seven makes more sense. But his face looks just as long as Yao Ming's. So is there a certain cutoff point where like long face equals more likely to be X height at a minimum? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I have a short face and I am a short man. So you could be right. Like women tend to have round faces. Well, that's have just sh- estrogen. That is right. I think well, that's they estrogen. are also generally shorter people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I see just, what you're saying. Now, this this started out as a super troll, but to be honest, we were just. It does really sound a little bit trolly, but at the same point, it, ha- it sounds like it may have some validity to it. Look at Shaq and Yao Ming's. And look at Colossus from the X Men. Let's look at Colossus. See, Shaq could be the Shaq could be an exception because. Well, no, it wouldn't be an exception because the man's a giant. His face is long. It just looks short because he's tall. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. This is interesting. If anybody out there is looking to get your science on, hit up a quick decade-long research report on... uh, (laughs) Yeah, go and get thousands, measure thousands of people's faces, and the face stops at where the hairline should be, right? So if it's an older person, you can see the hairline's gone back a little bit. Just kind of look at the smooths and see, like, okay, they're kind of like measuring tree rings. You can see where the hairline used to be, and that's how you measure the top of face, right? Cool. All right, you guys get on that. (laughs) (laughs) Better yet, measure your own face and post your height and your face length. Yeah, there we go. If you're listening to this, we need you to measure your face from top to bottom and your height. Yeah. And so we can try to find some sort of constant of proportionality between the ratio of face length, face height to, um, to actual height. Yeah. So cool. All All right. Well, the last article for Thursday is written by none other than Wolfie Zhao. With CoinDesk. Bitmain denies reports the CEO. First article. You said last article. Well, oh, sorry. Yeah, the first article of the last day of the week. <laughs> uh, that's what I meant to say. But my brain is kind of skipping ahead. Um, so Jihan Wu was ousted from Bitcoin Miners Board. Mm-hmm. And Bitmain is denying that. Uh, but everybody else is kind of like confirming that though mm-hmm. like all the news news outlets they're Seen saying that he was yep. so bitcoin mining giant bitmain has denied widely circulated reports that it's co-ceo i didn't know that there could be a co-ceo mm-hmm. okay that's pretty common okay jihan Wu has been ousted from the board of bitmain technologies holding company the entity currently seeking to go public on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Oh, that would be terrible if, like, that news hits when the uh, stock it goes, uh, when it IPOs. Mm-hmm. That may tank the stock 
anyway, the news first emerged on a Chinese cryptocurrency media site on Monday, which suggested that Wu and several other executive directors had left their positions at a different entity, Beijing Bitmain Technology Limited. The report further cited a lawyer not affiliated to Bitmain, who said the change meant Wu would no longer have executive power over Bitmain's operations. Mm. However, the report did not state clearly whether that comment was referring to Beijing Bitmain Technology or the holding company. Mm. Various media reports have subsequently cited the news and alleged and and, and alleged. Uh, that Wu is no longer at the board of the holding company and hence has no voting power on the firm's management. Based on a Chinese business registration database, Beijing Bitmain Technology did record board changes on November 7th. Ooh, the plot thickens. So responding to a Coindesk inquiry, however, a Bitmain representative said the board change was solely at the subsidiary company. Regarding Bitmain Technology's holding company, the representative said, to be clear, there is no change in the board structure there. Mm-hmm. So we got a little bit of this. We got a little bit of that. Got a little bit of he said, she said. He said, she said, she said, down by the seashore, seashells. So there's a lot going on with Bitmain right now. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote. As is standard listing practice, Bitmain is restructuring its board and group structure to ensure it meets regulatory requirements on its road to IPO. This is to simplify the board structure to facilitate its engage- its management. There have been no board departures and co-founder Jihan Wu will continue to lead the company as co-chair together with co-chief executive officer McCree Zahn. McCree! Oh shit! Like from Overwatch. Nice. Well... There's being there's some shake up as a bit shake ups at Bitmain, but they still make billions of dollars a year. So there's that. Hmm. Oh, this is what you were talking about earlier. We can almost skip through this next article. The uh, Binance warns Iranian traders to withdraw crypto. So. Oh yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm pretty sure none of you guys that listen to my show are from Iran or like like based in Iran because I have the stats and nobody from Iran listens to us. So we can skip that one. Yeah. But if you're what in if Iran, it's Iranian. hard out there. What if they're you. dual citizens? Is that a, they could be dual citizens. Can you be, can you be a citizen of Iran and a citizen of the U S I don't know if those passports agree with each other. Potentially. Can you be dual citizen of anywhere? I don't think you can. I think countries would be like, yeah, you definitely can't be a dual citizen of them. And I know in the U.S. you have to decide, right? When you turn 21. Wait, wait, wait. No, you can be a dual citizen. Can you be a dual citizen of Iran and here? You'll be U.S. and Iran. That's pretty. Here. The Iranian government does not recognize dual American Iranian nationality. If U.S. citizens were born in Iran, became a naturalized Iranian, or were born to Iranian parents, they will be considered Iranian citizens and subject to Iranian law unless the government has recognized a formal renunciation of citizenship. Okay, so you can't be a dual citizen U.S. and Iran. Let's see if you can be U.S. and French. Yes, you can be French and U.S. Hmm. So for the U.S. side, acquiring U.S. citizenship does not require that you give up other citizenships. So it seems like you can be like a European 
citizen and then a citizen of the U.S. and do dual that way. Let's see Latin America. Um, I'll do you one better. I found the list, baby. Ooh, better. Here we go. We ready? This is going to be rocket fire. Countries that allow dual citizenship. Albania, Algeria, Argentina, Armenia. Oh, this feels like that uh, Animaniacs skit where they're listing the countries. Algeria, Argentina, Armenia, Angola, Antigua, Australia, Barbados, Bangladesh, Belize, Belgium, Bolivia, Brazil, Canada. Cape Verde, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Dominica, Dominican Republic, East Timor, Ecuador, Egypt, Fiji, Finland, France, Ghana, Greece, Grenada, Honduras, Hong Kong, Hungary, Iceland, Iraq, Ireland, Israel, Italy, Ivory Coast. There's a lot. Okay, this is going to go on for a while. There's hundreds. All right. What about <laughs> it? Uh... That would be oh, cool. Hey. I should have just started singing the song. Albania, Algeria. That was a good song. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. So we're. I think is that. Nope, one more. Oh yeah, one more. The, uh, one more. Okay. So the last. Speaking of France, huh? Dual citizenships, France. We got it. Yeah. All right. All right. So here we go. Bitcoin.com. Samuel Haig. French financial markets regulator estimates estimates ICOs have raised. $21.9 billion globally. Ooh, that's a lot of double McDoubles, baby. <laughs> France's financial markets regulator, the Autorité de Marches Financières, well, completely butchered that. I wish I was French, um, has published a report examining trends relating to initial coin offerings. The AMF describes ICOs as, quote, marginal, method as a quote marginal method of financing estimating that the global ico industry has raised thir- uh, 19.4 billion euro since 2014 or the equivalent of 21.9 billion us mm. okay nifty says french icos grab a modest share of the global sector uh 46 percent Oh, sorry. Token sales have represented just 0.46% of the total sum raised by global ICO industry. Um, okay. So the AMF reports report notes and quote acceleration in ICOs over the last two years. It estimates that 5.6 billion euros or 6.3. Wait, what? No. Look at that. Look at that. There, uh, there's a B and then there's an M there. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Okay. Uh, the typo? I'm going to assume it's billions. Yeah, I would assume it's a typo. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's 6.3 billion USD was raised via ICOs in 2017, equating to 1.6% of global equity financing for that year. Throughout no, 2018. No, no. Oh, huh? yeah, that is a typo. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, throughout 2018, the regulator estimates that ICOs have raised... 13.4 billion euro, 15.1 billion USD so far, accounting for 69% of the total raised by all ICOs since 2014. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so ICOs are raising money out there in these streets. Um, 
so yeah, franchise CEOs uh, percentage-wise uh, are 0.46% of the total sum raised by the global ICO industry. Mm. That's pretty small. Yeah, that's not... Why well, did I say modest? It's not modest at all. That's not a good amount. Yeah, it's not... Then you say a I very small amount, not modest. Maybe maybe the person who wrote this the article, Samuel Haig, thinks mm-hmm. that modest is a small amount. Like a humble amount. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, to like, me, uh, modest is like humble. maybe less than 10%, but greater than 3%. Yeah, that's that's modest. I think that'd be modest. Well, we're arguing over people's subjective definitions of... Well, we're not it's arguing, true. but, you know. Yeah. Sorry, uh, what's his name? Heigl? Se- Heig? Sorry, Samuel, Samuel Heig. Heig. I don't think less than 1% Heig. is a modest Heig. amount. I, I think that's zilch. But then again... Depends on the pool, right? So depends on what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, that wraps it, man. We got no more articles for this week, guys. Those of you listening. So, um, I'm really excited next week when I get to you my uh, look into you know what the word map says about what all these articles that we've picked from, um, actually say, um, to you subliminally because I do love word maps, right? They really work. They do. Like if you write, uh, if there's a book, it's like 75,000 word book or something, and you drop that into a word map, you could see like, oh, this author really was trying to convey this theme or something like that. You know, it kind of, it kind of gleans into what people are trying to get you to think. Can I drop my life into a word map? I'm pretty sure you could if you exported your Facebook data and exported your Google data and you found, uh, um, I don't have enough social media posting. You don't use Twitter very much. I don't use Facebook very much either. Yeah, but I guarantee you could. In fact, I don't even think that'd be tough to do right now. I think Excel has Facebook APIs built into it, so you can like, you can just run that data on yourself. It has Facebook and Twitter APIs built into it. Mm. So when I say built into it, I say like the access is already there. You just have to call them into your spreadsheet. So Mm. anyways, um, that's it, man. I got nothing. This weekend, I'm excited. My Chiefs play the Rams, the two best teams in football, going at it. I I, I, I think my team's going to win. It's been the best team the Chiefs have had in years, so I'm really excited. So, so Fazinx, who's watching the stream, linked us the Arabic version of the Animaniacs song, and he said it's much better. <laughs> oh, there's people watching this shit. I always forget. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you. Um, <laughs> thanks for streaming this too, Jesse. Like, I, I looked at the stream; it has like a thousand, twelve hundred people tuned in. Whoa, God! For a I second. wish. No, it has five viewers, but it says it was viewed twelve hundred times. Oh yeah, over the course of its lifetime. Over the course of this footage, right? So, the, are those unique? Oh no, no. O- over the course of the beginning of the stream, I believe. Like the beginning of the inception of the stream channel. Oh, okay. So that's a misleading number. That is a very misleading number. They should probably put like words next to that, what it means. Because I'm assuming that this video has four people watching it now. And it had 1,124 people look at it for an amount of time. Yeah, no, I, I wish. That'd be awesome. Oh, that's such horseshit how they put that number there like that. <laughs> you feel 
<laughs> it's diminished your incredulousness of the fact that there were so many people who had yeah i was like damn that's a lot of, that's spread fast the internet is powerful but now that i know that's between like all of your videos but then again you only have 16 videos so that's not terrible right no no no, no. those are those are the recordings recently i turned it off like the vod system i turned it off for like maybe why, why you do a that month. um i don't know I, I just did because i'm i'm saving the, the recordings as local but I think oh, it's... you want to give the premium goods? No, no. I just didn't think it made sense to record on Twitch and record locally. All right. Especially since I was going to upload it to YouTube. And I realized that I can multi-platform stream. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I tried doing that. But then YouTube just banned me the first day I tried streaming for having copyrighted content, even though I didn't play any music or look at anything that was copyrighted. Hmm. Weird. YouTube's so. hater, hater, hater aid. How many people yeah. are in your Twitch and your, uh, how many Twitch followers do you have now? Uh, 41. I was getting up there. Slowly yeah. but surely, man. Slowly but surely. What about your channel and discord? Mm, let's see. How many people are here? 25. Nice. If you make it like. Can I be your manager? <laughs> sure, you can be my manager. You heard it, audience. You heard that shit. If Jesse <laughs> makes it as a streamer, I'm going to be his manager. I'm going to be your P. Diddy, man. I'll be P. Diddy, P. Diddy and you'll be Biggie. Okay, I'm down. Do you know how to dance with your shoulders? Uh, I mean, I can learn. All right. I'm always, That's all you need to I'm do. always down. That's all you need to do. Because I know how to dance with my shoulders, and then we can make music videos, too. So. <laughs> Uh, well, we're supposed to do eating and uh, video gaming. We never did that because we never decided to eat anything, but we can right, still do that. You I do, eat. You want to do it tonight? Yeah. What do you want to eat? I made some uh, turkey and cauliflower rice and black beans. It sounds healthy. Like, I've been eating healthy, too. I mean. Um, let's do wings. Let's do wings from somewhere. Wings from where? I'll do wings from, like, uh, Zaxby's. How about that? Zaxby's? I don't have a Zaxby's here. Um, I have... Um, oh, we should probably end the show. Damn, we're just like having conversation. <laughs> um, so, guys, thank you, <laughs> thank you for tuning in to another week of uh, the Bitcoin Podcast is just the headers. If you have any tips on news, you can send them in or you can join the Slack and give them to Jesse and I. Jesse is broke and i am at fergalati and uh we have just the tips okay just the tips um if you um what else is going on uh so the bitcoin podcast the original flagship show of the network is releasing a book um called in 10 words or less um it's kind of a trademark question of our show over the years we've collected uh, all this audio on all these uh, influencers and uh, prominent individualities in the space um individuality is not a word individuals in the space uh you know and there's such a such a contrast between how people choose to define cryptocurrency if they don't have a large amount of words to define it um we have had porn stars on the show we've had ceos of billion dollar corporations on the show we've had all of the above and it's very interesting to see we've had rappers 
on the show. So very interesting to see the correlation there or non-correlation, if you will. What's the opposite of correlation? Non-correlated? Dissonance? Dissonance. Uh-huh. Mm, I like that word. I forgot all about that word. Um. So when that book goes live, please uh, rush out and get it. It's not going to be expensive, but it is neat. And it's it provides a lot of um, conversational topics. Like, wow, I can't believe that person said that. Or the second time the person came on the show, they said that. So um, it's good stuff. Um, of course... Watch Jesse's Twitch channel because uh, he streams a very unique game called Battle Royale. Not Battle Royale. Battle Right. It's fun. Yeah, man. I'm top 50. <laughs> You're top 50? Yeah. You're like a top 50 player of that game? Yeah, look. Look, where am I? Oh, looking? wait. I wonder if I on the stream. How many people play that game? <laughs> Not a lot. That's the problem. Damn. I thought you were going to say like, Fucking millions, bro. I'm a god. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I'm not. Damn. Is it over a hundred? Yeah, it's a few thousand. Oh, well if it's if it's just one thousand, then let's take fifty. I think it's like seven. If it's just one thousand then you're what in the top? You're in the ninety nine point see. Let's let's make my ego a little bit bigger. Let's say nine, there's five, seven thousand people. So I'm fifty. Top 50 out of 7,000. I'm like, what? 0.7%? I'm in the 90... 99.993? No, 99.993. Right? No, 99.993. Percentile. Right? No, no, no. I multiplied by 100 already. Ah, okay. Alright. Yeah. Um... Look at us doing math for people on air. We could have just used Google oh, yeah. for that. Can you use Google for that? What percentile? Yeah, you can. 50 of 7,000. You said 7,000? Oh, you're going to word it like that. You may not be able to use it like that. Oh, it just gave me an article. said how to calculate percentiles. Yeah. Fucking no. idiot. Maybe able to do that in like Wolfram or something. Yeah, that'd be a Wolfram. Oh, you're right, ninety nine point three percent. So, like, good job, man. You're up there. You're king. <laughs> Anyways, Almost. sorry, guys. Show's over. I hope you tuned <laughs> out a long time home. ago. Go home. Oh, if you're already yeah. home, go eat a snack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a good one. Play the outro.